Hello and welcome to VentureCast. This is David Hornick from August Capital. And this is Howard Hartenbaum, also from August Capital. What is it today? It's February 10th. Is this our first VentureCast of the year or did we do one right when we came back? I have no idea. I don't either. <laughs> Dear listeners... Welcome we to know. 2017. Yeah. Maybe this is maybe this is the inaugural VentureCast of 2017. Maybe it isn't. All we know is that we appreciate that you're listening. When we sat down today, just like 65 seconds ago, and said, "What should we talk about?" <laughs> My first comment was, "Ah, it's just like car talk. It's not about the cars. It's about the talk." So who cares? We'll just <laughs> talk about whatever. And so far, we're killing it. <laughs> so far, let's see how long we can go without actually talking about anything. We've done it for an hour before. We, no, no, no. We've always had something, something we've talked about. But this, I had this conversation. I don't know if I've ever mentioned this. Uh, Elisa Miller, who runs uh, PRI, Public Radio International, I had this conversation with her where I tried to get her to put us on the radio. Like, oh, you should put you should put VentureCast on the radio. And she was like, oh, we're not putting VentureCast on the radio. We don't do vertical programming. You know, it doesn't have a broad enough appeal. And I said, we are car talk. We're not, we're not talking about venture capital. We're just like the car talk guys. And she was like, yeah. No, it's not happening. We don't have funny laughs. Yeah, that's what we need. We need we need someone with a good laugh track. We should find the person who did like the production of Car Talk and ask him how we need to modify this <laughs> nope. to fit mainstream. But this is but your point about having someone with a good laugh. I'm saying so right now. I'm telling you, if Tom Riley is ever out in the Bay Area, do you know Tom? He was the founder of Planet Out, and he's now at TED, and he runs TED Fellows. And not only is Tom one of the funnier humans alive and one of the most lovely humans alive but his laugh is <laughs> his laugh is the most distinctive laugh if you're sitting at the TED conference you will know where where Tom is sitting no matter what we can have so a laugh track a little button you push every just time just him just <laughs> so Tom just let, giving you a warning I also told by the way since we're already talking about nothing Really Isn't that the whole basis for the Seinfeld show? Yeah, exactly. It's a show about the nothing. Seinfeld of, of podcasts about technology. Um, I don't know if you've had this conversation, but I was having a conversation after someone someone had passed away, and they they had a, a a memorial service that I didn't think was terribly representative of them. I thought like, oh, you know what? It was a lovely service. It was very serious. It was blah blah blah. But it was like, oh my god. If I were to die and you were to have a memorial service for me and it was like that, which was very kind of respectful and blah, 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 it'd be so wrong. Like, that'd be a terrible, terrible memorial service. So I called up Tom and I said, this is going to be a strange thing, but I, but I think you'll appreciate it. If I pass away and there is a memorial service, I want you to be the MC of the memorial service. It's not like you can't take. We can't be having it taken seriously. What do you mean? I'm just going to tell everybody you asked me to do that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you can co-host now. (laughs) You and Tom. You and Tom co-host my movie. Who do you want? Who do you want? Like now that you're thinking about it, like okay, I'll be dead. I don't care. I know, but who? Oh, but that's actually very, very. That is the difference between me and Howard. He means that. He means like, ah, oh, fuck it, I don't care. I'm, I'm dead. What difference does it make? Whereas I'm like, okay, make it funny. People. I told you about my red binder of death, right? No, I know about many of your binders. You have binders. I have a binder of death which has trusts and wills and all that crap in it. And if you open it up, it's got a call list. First call this lawyer, then call this tax account, and then call this. <laughs> so if I die, like, it's all done. When am I on the list? When do you call me? <laughs> I think I'm going to put you on there as uh, eulogy. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> or, Paul Hornick, we will tr- attempt to do a like respectful but entertaining eulogy. Yes. I'll be there for you, Howard. I, even though you'll be dead, I'll, and not dead. I won't care. I know, but your wife. Mate, what if you? What if your wife outlives you? She'll want. It's probable. She will definitely. Yeah, <laughs> I think both of our wives will outlive us. No, the the chances that your wife wants me giving your eulogy is about zero. Whereas the chances of Pamela being super happy with Tom doing the eulogy is pretty high. I think. <laughs> so. So that brings up the whole concept of VCs who have stay-at-home wives. Because <laughs> oh. you and I both have stay-at-home wives. It is true. This is, and do we represent the mainstream, or don't we? I was telling Howard that uh, I just did this this uh, podcast with Sarah Lacey. So Sarah Lacey's writing this great new book uh, about women in entrepreneurship. And uh, I'm going to screw up the title, but... Uh, I'll it's called to, Women in Entrepreneurship. No, it's something super fun, which I'll, I'm going to look it up after I stop talking. Uh, but in the and it was so this podcast was about parenting, and she's been doing these great parenting podcasts with with women in entrepreneurship, and uh, and I was the first dad, and so we were having this conversation, and somewhere along the way, she uh, she did say, "Do you think it's problematic ultimately for um, you know for women entrepreneurs to come in and pitch?" VC funds when there are a bunch of men who have stay-at-home wives and therefore their perception of women is not as people in the working, you know, in, 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 in jobs, but as people who are staying home taking care of children and do they, do therefore, are we biased against them? I think we're biased for them. So that's your, that's your, uh... Have you ever stayed home with your kids when they're little? That is harder work than going to a job. <laughs> So that's a that's a, I mean this is actually so so th- this comes down to data for me. One, I don't know if VCs are more likely to be married to stay at just because your spouse and my spouse are not working full time. I think pretty much all the other partners here, almost all of them, their wives are working full time, and I do believe on a percentage of deal basis, I'd be willing to bet August Capital has invested in more women CEOs than any other firm out there. As a percentage hmm, of the number of deals total, I do know that the last three deals we funded, and we almost came, we came close with a with one yep. who would have been the fourth uh, female founder. And I have two boards I'm on where the CEO co-founders are women. Yeah, so I I, I don't. I think we're biased more towards women because of the, you and I having stay-at-home wives. I don't I don't think that I I, um, I think there's no bias. Here. I don't think there's a correlation. Right. I, I think that I would um, agree. I think, so what I said in the podcast was, gee, to the degree that it is true that that VCs traditionally have ended up, because it's traditionally, has been historically uh, a lot of men, and because it has historically been high paying, and therefore people could afford to have one salary instead of two, that there were... Um, there were a number of men VC, male VCs who had had wives who were at home. That I thought that was shifting, right? And then if and if you look at our younger partners, uh, you know, you look at Trip, who, as I mentioned on that podcast, Trip's wife is an attorney, is working. Billy's wife is working. Um, you know, and when Lisa joins us, Lisa and her husband both will be working. And Vivek's wife just started a company. So there is a. So I think that there is a. Um, I think ultimately there is a trend 
in younger people to to have two two spouses working, but I may be totally full of crap. I, I want to figure out how to get my wife working. <laughs> that's not helping you, honey. That's that's a move away from that. That's like, that's like uh, so anyway, I think it's I think it's an interesting it was an interesting question and in fact when my wife listened to the podcast when we were talking about this, she said, Oh, you totally you sidestepped the question and I wasn't trying to sidestep at all. I don't think I think that the thing that we talk about at August is that if you invest only from personal experience, you're a moron, right? You can't, if we only invested in things we personally liked or we would personally use or people who who fit a particular mold that we expected, we would fail. We would not but see... But think of some of the deals we've seen that fit that, that are just awesome. Like, remember the company that was making, like, single-serving wine bottles? Like, these little <laughs> tiny, like, eight little wine bottles, and each one was a glass of wine, and packaging, who cares if it was an extra 50 bucks, or... Yeah, no, this is exactly right. These are the sorts of deals. There are more wine deals that get pitched to venture capitalists and then funded because VCs are like, oh, everybody needs wine. Same thing with the art market. There are a bunch of companies now in art. I love art, but it's not clear to me that the art market is going to be disrupted at a scale that is going to be a big online experience. Maybe it is. Unless you can turn mainstream buyer into an art buyer. And and we looked at a company like that, right? A company called 20 by 200, which was trying to do that. I was like, okay, maybe that is, maybe the, you know, posters.com or art.com meets fine art is going to be interesting. But but these things that are... we When we looked at um, uh, Sonos, we had this reaction, which was a little bit like, oh, isn't this just a toy for rich people? Now, it turned out they built it into a product that sold to lots of people, and so sometimes you can be fooled in the other direction. Same thing with Uber. Except I think Sonos is going to be just bypassed by the Alexas, the, the Amazon Echoes and the Google, whatever they call them. Yeah, where no you wrong. just you have those, and you and then you, they sell you like little wireless speakers that come with them, and pretty soon everything is all integrated, and Sonos gets left behind, just like a stereo got left behind. Apparently, the numbers are suggesting that. Oh, it's going in that direction. Yeah, Tough. Yeah, yeah. I have Sonos too. The great product, but I just don't see how they make it long term. No, I got I got this Sonos bar that sits under my TV, and it's beautiful, and it works works great. But um, so a buddy of mine. My law school roommate is a guy named Steve Boom, and Steve Boom was, we both worked as lawyers together, and then he left to go to Yahoo, and he ultimately joined Amazon, and he now runs Amazon Music, and uh, he is on the cover of Billboard magazine, which is completely cool. Uh, I, I was supposed to be on the cover of Billboard magazine, damn it, what the fuck? If this you is- want to be on the cover of Billboard, you need to start funding some music companies and have one hit. You're going to be on the cover of like NBA magazine <laughs> for a second. Before second spectrum, <laughs> you're going to be so awesome. you're going to be spitting a basketball on your finger, and you're going to be standing next to hopefully, Shaquille O'Neal, who is twice as tall as you. Someone giant. I hope that if I do end up on like you know ESPN magazine or something, that I am with the tallest. Actually, so Second Spectrum, which is doing sports analytics, has a bunch of former members of the MIT basketball team. On, club on, basketball on the, club. Nope, nope, nope. It's not a club. Oh, it's, it's a team. It's now. a team. Oh. And um, and so I think we just got one who had 
We now have a, a, an engineer who is, used to be on the basketball team who's 6'11 or something. So I'm going to be with him. I want him to pose with me. You'll only see like his chest and I'll be at his waist. You won't even see his head because you couldn't get me in the photo. Anyway, the point is not that, Sorry, Howard. back to Steve Boom and <laughs> Steve Billboard Boom is, Yeah, so Steve and Jeff Bezos are on the cover of Billboard, and it's the Billboard 100 at Disruptors. And so they're talking about Amazon Music, which is basically you get for free alongside your Amazon Prime membership. And they were talking about how it works with Alexa, and it's awesome. Like You, you just know, say, Alexa, play me this, and it plays it. Yeah, they've done the licensing. They've got it to work. Hey Alexa, play me songs that sound like this. Hey Alexa, play me uh, my such and such playlist. Hey Alexa, whatever. I want Freddie Mercury all dinner long. Exactly. Who wouldn't? And boom, done, right? And so this is sort of your point. Like ultimately, it is amazing to me that Apple hasn't, you know, we got the Apple TV. I've been waiting forever for the Apple integrated TV. And now we need the Apple integrated speaker. It's not that the speaker part is not that hard. Right, the software and the networking part is harder. So I used to have until weeks ago in front of my TV. I had the Apple TV, I had a Roku box, and I had a uh, uh, Xfinity box. Yep. And all I want to get is Tennis Channel for my wife. And in order to get Tennis Channel and Xfinity, you get to pay like 125 bucks a month. You get all these other channels you don't want, but that one is not in any it's like you got to pay not, extra. You can't buy it all card. Ridiculous. You have to buy in a package of like the everything plus. Or you get a nut package and you pay it separate, but you got to buy the $100 package before you can pay yeah. the 20 all for one channel. And it was irritating the crap out of me. And we we went and we were staying down at a condo about a mile away and my wife couldn't get it on her phone and I called Xfinity and they said that their license for Tennis Channel is only good at my house. So you can watch it either on my TV or on the same Wi-Fi network as the TV. And I'm like, that's it. I can't take it anymore. I just anyway, want that exact same thing happened to me. I was sitting on the I was sitting on a plane waiting to go to a board off site. And suddenly the Super Bowl went from seeming like it was completely idiotic to actually interesting. And so I tried to stream it on the Xfinity app, and it said, only at home. And and that pissed me off. And I said, who is Xfinity's competitor? I just called an 800 number for DirecTV, (laughs) and I told them my problem. And they said, oh, we have DirecTV now. For $60 a month, you can get the Tennis Channel plus a bunch of other channels, and you can watch it anywhere you go. You don't need a box anymore. You can watch it on anything. You can disconnect from, you know, satellite or, or Xfinity cable. And I was like, 60 bucks a month? And she said, yes, and if you prepay three months for $180, we will give you a free Apple uh, TV Gen 4, which is worth 150 And I was like... Done. And I called up Xfinity and I said, cancel. I was watching DirecTV now a few minutes later and said to my wife, go ahead, you can watch tennis anywhere you go now. And I have officially disconnected and I am an over-the-top subscriber to Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime and DirecTV now and no more Dish and no more Comcast. I'm done. That... That just cost Xfinity so much money. <laughs> just because all 800,000 people listening to this show today That's right. use this following code and I'll get $5. No. You get more and more Apple TVs. 
Anyway, I just don't understand the need to be physically connected and have a box at the home anymore. So now my TV just has an Apple TV in front of it. So i got to think it. about this, because the only thing I care about, I don't know that I care about any of it. I mean, I care about HBO because they have interesting shows periodically, but you can get HBO Go. Yep. And then Netflix, and then, yeah. But Tennis Channel is only affiliated with major providers yeah. so I had to get direct TV. Most people want like local news although it's not clear. I, I watched the 10 o'clock news with my wife and it, every time I think to myself why do I watch this news? It is the worst. You know what's funny? Any night you turn it on it's the same. It's always the same story. It's the same it's like you know and we so we play the game you're going to predict what's going to be the first story and you usually can predict it's either oh it's really bad weather <laughs> i'm sure some road is flooded or someone was shot or you know i mean i don't mean don't to get into politics that. i don't mean to downplay that i'm just saying i could say what we can't talk about nope, politics no politics howard, howard threatened me if i used the t-word i am physically allergic to politics discussion right now <laughs> All right. So the over the top, all of these channels, video channels that we're now getting, um, it, it seems to me like the same thing is happening with with podcasts as well. Where where radio, we're not going to need a radio. Terrestrial radio is of no meaningful use. Like the only channel I listen to in my car now is NPR, or I whip out my phone and I listen to podcasts. Because the integration on the phone is so fantastic. I'm driving and I just touch one or two buttons and a podcast starts playing right through the stereo. And it's perfect. Like, why would I need to go hunting for... Yeah, it's really... So it's funny because I, I basically only listen to NPR. And then... We're the same. Oh, yeah. It's like we are... A, we are exactly the same, Howard. That's why Tom Riley will be doing your memorial service, not me. <laughs> um... No, the, but what I have found I've been doing recently, which is which is problematic for AT and T. So I am grandfathered into the all, all data all the time, you know, unlimited data plan. And when there's nothing interesting on NPR, then I'm pulling up uh, CNN or Fox News or MSNBC on the Xfinity app, and I'm streaming it to my phone. I'd be happy to... I only want to hear the... I'm not watching it. I'm driving. I'd be happy to just hear the stream, but you can't do it. So it's using a whole lot of bits. I wonder why they don't do that. They should have a mode. It would be much better. If you're listening, Xfinity, I acknowledge that Howard just cost you a great deal of money. But But now I'm going to save you money. Because this is AT&T you're saving money. Hey, AT&T, you should do the audio stream only mode. No, because Xfinity probably would pay less. Because I'm sure that there's yeah for sure to stream it stream audio rather yeah. than but I agree with you so I, I so I, I uh, not only have I been hearing more about um, podcasts I've been doing more podcasts right part of the reason we're doing this now is that I did Sarah Sarah Lacey's podcast the other day so you're which cheating was, on me is that what I was you're cheating saying? on I was cheating on you twice and that same day I did a podcast with. Um, uh, with Kelly Leonard from Second City, the comedy comedy company in in Chicago, that was super fun. So I got to talk about comedy and business, and then I got to talk about parenting with Sarah, and then I went to the city and I had lunch with Kevin Johnson, who was the CEO of Ebates, who now runs it as part of Rakuten. And after that dinner, I said, after that lunch, I was going off to another meeting. And I said to Kevin. This has been like the greatest day. <laughs> I've had the greatest day. 
And he's like, oh, I'm... I'm so glad you're paid to have the greatest day. (laughs) That's totally true. This is my job. You want to hear the problems I had today? Yeah, what did you do that day? My day, I chatted with... I chatted about comedy. I chatted about parenting. But here's the thing about it, right? I then have heard from people who will listen to each of those podcasts about different things, right? Hey, that was a great podcast. I appreciated it and blah, blah, blah. Hey, David, thanks for talking about that thing. That was kind of interesting, whatever. It is our job. Like, the venture job isn't like a normal job. The venture job isn't, oh, and then I go do these, no, I better make my phone calls or whatever. The venture job is go engage with the broader community and try and find amazing people are building amazing stuff. And what's the path to that? Do you, If you have a better path, by all means, let me know. I'll stop podcasting and stop having lunch with Kevin Johnson and do the things I'm supposed to no, do. No, no, keep doing them. <laughs> Keeps you out of the office. <laughs> That's not funny. <laughs> but no, no, but honestly, if you're sitting in your office, you're probably not using your time to the best. That's for sure true, right? Because the best deals don't usually come looking for you. I hope they do. So if anyone's listening to this, Howard and I are looking for the best deals. It's not like we're podcasting for our own Wait, pleasure. Didn't we do this once in an Uber? Yeah, we did. Yeah, right. <laughs> we gave him a. We, we even gave out a code, an Uber code. I wonder what happened to that guy. I don't know, man. What do you? This I. I uh, this whole Uber thing. So this is this interesting thing. When we were pitched on Uber, when we were pitched on Airbnb, in both instances we said, "Gee." There are all sorts of regulations that are challenging here. Do Are we worried about those, etc.? The, the entrepreneurs who are running those companies said, don't be ridiculous. We're going to get to scale. We'll find ways to work with these organizations, with these governments, etc. And, um, and by and large, they've managed to scale in ways that have gotten around a lot of those regulations. But... But th- there are some, you know, there's some choppy waters, it looks like. So that's interesting. Um, but then we we also invested in a drone company, and the drone companies similarly knew that the FAA would ultimately regulate airspace in some way or other, and their regulation was a little more uh, pernicious, right? It was a little more... Yeah, so the new regulation from the FAA says it's okay to run a drone for business purposes as long as there's line of sight, and you can always see that drone. <laughs> as long as you can see it. Yeah, that doesn't work so good for most drone companies. It also doesn't work so... How's that going to work for drone delivery? they got to have a guy in a plane following behind? <laughs> right, exactly. No, they got to have a drone that follows the drone, and then a drone that follows yeah. the drone that follows the drone. It, 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 it ends drone delivery. It basically ends any long-distance drone things other than recreational drone use. And even recreational drone use, our partner Vivek is a drone fanatic, and he was saying that the other day he was, in his, he was at his house... And he flew his drone out over the highway, whatever. That was not line of sight. Like, I know where his house is. It's up on a hill. He flew the drone off, was capturing the view, brought it back to him, you know. And so so here's a regulation which actually dramatically changed the market, you know, the available market for, um, for drone startups. And so what... But our new president will probably... Sorry, no politics, <laughs> but he'll probably deregulate it. That's true. He'll, he'll just decide like, one day, like, uh, it's okay, drones anywhere. Well, we'll, ha- we'll have to have him have a reason he needs drones. So maybe we could, like, capture him in all his glory 
doing delivering Ivanka's products. Yeah, right. Delivering, delivering Ivanka's shoes. Maybe it's direct to direct consumer Ivanka shoes will be sufficient to get drones deregulated. <sighs> Sorry, I started it. <laughs> you started it. I didn't say it. It's interesting when we fund companies. So anytime you look at a new company, you say, okay, what are the things? What are the risks for this thing? And there's always technical risk. Can you build it? And there's always sales risk. Can you sell it? And then there are other risks. And and so we don't we don't fund medical devices. We don't fund because there are huge regulatory risks around getting licensed and getting through trials and all those things. And we just don't. It's not something we know, and it's not something we do. Um. But oftentimes we'll hear. Companies say, "Oh, we're we're you know here's the regulatory concerns or whatever," and they're real risks. And you know, I've had companies say, "Oh, here's a white paper that says it's okay," and you gotta go. Ooh, Written by somebody we paid to say it's okay. Yeah, exactly. But so go, but going back to Airbnb and Uber, I think with Airbnb we didn't really have any concerns about the regulatory stuff terribly because that had been going on for a long time and it was sort of a gray area, and we didn't get hung up on that with Uber. The discussion around it, there was some concern, like how evil the taxi lobbies might be, and would there be like physical harm? Yeah, <laughs> kind yeah. of concerns. Um, and there have been in countries like in Russia, you know, where if you went against a local taxi lobby, you probably got your kneecap shattered. Well, and there were other places where it was one-off violence, but it was you know taxi taxi drivers attacking cars of Ubers and whatever, probably France, right? but <laughs> but. So, uh, anyway, I think it's an interesting problem because often what we will say is, gee, if it's a, if there is a single point of failure over which we have no control, that that's a hard thing to get around. And legislation is for sure that, right? It's someone could make a decision that dramatically, you know, changes the nature of what you're doing, and therefore. Um, makes an, a profitable, a potentially profitable investment, a, an unprofitable investment. So Skype had the issue early on: was it going to be classified as a phone service? And pretty much every country has the nationalized phone service as a government monopoly. And we went through that whole process, and some countries mucked with it a little bit. Some made regulations that made it difficult, but for the most part, technically, it was impossible to stop. Yeah, yeah. I had a Skype call this morning. So you, these days when I have Skype calls, it's almost always to do teleconference, right? It's like, oh, well, Skype, and I can show you what I'm working on or whatever. And this morning I had a Skype call that was just a call with a guy in Virginia. <laughs> Why would you do that? Because it's free. It, yeah. It's better, Ben. It sounds better than the phone. You can hear more clearly. Does it? Really? I mean, if you I'm have not, a good connection. It just I thought that was kind of funny. It was like, it used to be, oh, yeah, we'll do these international things because you save money, and I get that. And so I would Skype home from London or whatever. And that's not as bad as it used to be, but it's still that still makes some sense. But I just thought it was funny that the guy was calling me from Virginia. was like, oh, yeah, I'll Skype, Skype in. And then I Skyped video because I just assumed, oh, well, why else would you Skype? And then I was like, no, it just did call. Maybe he didn't want you like doing email on the side. So if you've got video going, it's kind of hard to like be going on the phone. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Yeah, yeah. And... I know, but it wasn't video. It was. Oh. So if you see, so speaking of politics, which we're not speaking about, 
Do you know this uh, this messaging uh, platform called Signal? Yes. Uh, so, Howard, you're kind of paranoid guy. Do you have Signal on your phone yet? I used it for a while just to try it out, but. I don't really have anything that I care that people will see. So I'm one of those people who believes that if you don't do anything wrong, you don't care. Yeah, which I I totally get, right? That's the, who needs privacy because, what? Go ahead, look, yeah. you know. I'm not hiding nothing. Yeah, it's so, so you don't look at any porn? I didn't say that. <laughs> you just are not ashamed of it. <laughs> it's normal. That's a, it certainly is normal. Uh, uh, well, I guess it depends on the porn. But so anyway, back to Signal. So Signal is this encrypted messaging app, and in this era of the Trump administration, actually, I know a bunch of people who are now on Signal, and a set of conversations are being held on Signal for very specific reasons. And it's interesting. I just got. Um, my wife had donated some money to a Syrian uh, relief organization, and we got the letter back saying, you know, thank you for the donation. It was probably like a tax letter so we could get it. And, uh, and Pamela said to me, do you think we're on some list now? And I said, oh, yeah. Like, ab- you, don't you, absolutely, right? This, is, I mean, I don't know what was being done before this administration, but for sure... I think those lists all existed before. They may, they may well have, but they, but now someone's reading them. So the real risk with something like that, unfortunately, is you may think you're giving to a legitimate organization, and it's not. And there could be some, it could be a bad actor at that organization diverting funds or doing something wrong, and you are meaning well to donate money, and you inadvertently end up in trouble. Well, for doing fact, that, I that's mean, kind of scary. There are two versions, right? So there are two versions. Scary One for you. is just gee, the money gets misused or whatever. The other is that it's deemed that you're funneling money to the wrong actors and they seize your assets. And actually, there's some suggestion that that might be a tool of the administration to to stop uh, people that they're not thrilled with by, by doing asset seizure around things like this organization, which we had done the work. It was a le- it is a legitimate organization, etc. Um, but a bad actor at but, that organization could get you in trouble potentially. Yeah, or just a bad interpretation of that organization, right? Which is which is an interesting. It's an it's an interesting problem. But anyway, it's too late. So if I disappear someday, <laughs> if if my assets are seized or I disappear or whatever. Call Tom Riley. <laughs> We're not charge. doing it if we can't find the body. He's in charge of that. No, no, he's also in charge of when I've been seized. He's not just in charge of memorial service. In the event that we need to have a telethon, Tom's in charge. In the event that we need to, like... Fundraiser, find, yeah, find David Horning. Right, exactly. Go fund me or whatever campaign to because I've disappeared. Tom Riley, he's in charge of that. I think he's in charge of everything. If I'm gone, Tom has to raise my children. <laughs> Does he know that? Luckily, they're almost they're almost old enough, so he's he's okay. But uh, what other things would I assign Tom? <laughs> I don't know. Do you have somebody that you're that Pamela should call, like to deal with everything if you die? I should make it you because you'd be very efficient. I don't think we do have such a person. I so you know like I have a sister who's a lawyer, and I ask her that's to do yeah. it. Yeah, but you should have somebody. Yeah, I mean, I there are there are pe- there are certainly people I know who should go to right, and they'd be helpful. Yeah, uh, you know, I, you just don't want something to be looked over. 
Yeah. Or some tax liability or something that gets you. But you'll be dead. It won't matter. <laughs> My wife will be fine. Anyway, back to startups. <laughs> I, would I got a question for you. So what do you think of this report that, what was it, $3.7 billion in financing into cybersecurity companies? Oh, my God. In, two, in 2016. That, $3.7 that <laughs> billion. Yeah. Dollars. No, the, the uh, CB Insights. So... Uh, three point three point seven billion in uh, in two thousand fifteen, three point one billion in two thousand sixteen, and over five hundred startups, five hundred and fifty startups in the last two years in cybersecurity. It's going to be like marketing technology companies soon. Yeah, exactly. Well, we need to see that uh, infographic. Cybersecurity is certainly in the press a lot. There's, everybody's certainly very worried about it. Will they steal your money from your bank? Will they shut down the power grid? Will all these various things happen? It feels to me like it's a great opportunity to build a business, even though it's very, very crowded. Just because if you're a corporate executive and you haven't bought all of like the best tools and one of those things happened, you're fired. So you might as well spend the money. Yeah, it is helpful to be in a place where you look so bad if you blow if you blow it. They're like, oh, this thing was available to you and you didn't use it, right? We have uh, we have this company Threat Metrics that we've invested in, and it does point security, and it basically has a a, a graph of of tens of millions of devices. I think ninety percent of the devices in the U.S. now are are on are on the Threat mm -hmm. Metrics graph. So if you go to Amex.com or to or a bank or whatever or Nordstrom's and, it, and or they have threat metrics and you show up it can say oh this is a device that's a good actor or it can say oh this is a device that's a bad actor and then for the few that are left that it doesn't know then it goes through a bunch of work to make sure that that, that you're doing the right thing now why would you not have <laughs> to your point like if you if someone has aggregated all of the devices in the country and is busy aggregating all of the devices in the world and you have that and you're running a little credit union and you don't have this technology and all your money is stolen from you you could have simply stopped that by having that this is a plug for threat metrics but you could have simply stopped yeah. that by paying this company some money why wouldn't you and pay other companies money to do other things as well that's what cybersecurity. you you have to buy that stuff yeah no it's amazing it is a, and it's increasingly so. Not only is it are there all these companies and there's and and there's very good reason to buy, but increasingly actually this stuff is happening. Right, I have had uh, multiple companies that have been threatened with denial of service attacks if they don't pay a ransom. So we're going to shut you down by throwing a whole bunch of traffic at your site if you don't give us ten thousand bucks or forty thousand bucks. Send it in Bitcoin so it's untraceable, etc. And so, and then all of those companies again in the pl plug our businesses world. I point to Fastly, which is our you know, which has a, a CDN business that is doing great defense for denial of service, and say get on Fastly and say have at it, people, because the reality is that there are a bunch of organizations that are are you know designed to protect against that. I met with the guy who did infrastructure for uh, Facebook, runs all of Facebook's data centers, whatever. I said, when was the last time that you were threatened by a, a denial of service attack or whatever? And he laughed and he said, he said, we have a billion people come to our site every day. That is a denial of service attack. Have you seen any 
offensive cybersecurity companies get funded, where their huh. business is like your Nordstroms, and you get one of these threats pay us money or we're going to do a denial of service and you call your offensive provider and they go after and they crush them they crush the guys who are trying who are threatening to crush you and so it basically becomes cyber warfare at a corporate level have you seen any of those i haven't but i think it's because it's hard right it's, it's probably like, illegal <laughs> oh well that well this is back to our regulations who's regulating that you know what if you're attacking you somebody in a muslim country it's okay yeah totally fine now. i was that was sarcasm just to be Absolute perfectly clear. Sarcasm. Thank you. Thank well you. done. Like we can't have we, we, we can't we can't be uh, painted with that brush since we're a hundred percent. Offensive cyber, offensive cyber security, I think, would be because that's the kind of thing. If you're a big company and you're doing that, people start leaving you leave you alone. Well, it's a, you know, so it's the sort of um, there are companies who, when they are sued, will never settle. Right, Amgen. Uh, eBay, and yeah. I don't know if that's still the case, but in the early days when when uh, when my buddy yeah. Brad was was the first lawyer there said, "I will not settle because then more people will show up, and so I will yeah. I will take all the time and money it takes to crush you because this is not a place that you can bully." It's why the U.S. doesn't or supposedly doesn't pay ransom for terrorists because yeah. you do it once, you'll get more. Yeah, so. So now the interesting thing is, if you were doing offensive cybersecurity company, could you find the people who are attacking you? Right. So first thing is the discovery part, and that's hard, and then the attack. And the other thing is, by the way, there was a recent attack that that uh, that I uh, knew through a set of relationships that was coming from the Chinese government. Our U our government said this is a concerted attack of the Chinese government on a U.S. entity. Yeah. So then, what do you do? Like. Set, you know. Then it's corporate warfare against government. Good lord, that's. But you would think, you know, along like the threat metrics model, you get enough companies behind something, and that by itself becomes a network, and then basically that is the government, right? Yeah. Imagine if the answer was, because right, DDoS attack, the denial of service attack is that you get a bunch of machines that that send. Uh, traffic in a particular direction until it shuts down the network because it gets overwhelmed. Sort of like the, the uh, switchboard at the at Congress right now. No one can get through because there's a bunch of people calling. So this is a denial of we've currently have a denial of service attack on Congress. So imagine if you could sort of like the patent trolls. So the patent trolls say, "Oh, we're going to sue you." So then there were organizations that got together a bunch of companies and said, "Let's aggregate all your patents." And we'll have a joint defense so that if anyone shows up, we say, no, we have all the patents. So let's do the same thing with endpoints, where if someone shows up to do a denial of service attack, all of a sudden you turn all of the endpoints from, you know, Facebook, Google, Amazon, Microsoft, whatever. Back on them. Back on them. There is, you're done. Like there's no, there's no entity, no infrastructure that could withstand that kind of aggregate attack. We should create this. Who's this is on? how companies start. This is just this, this has to exist. This is the next generation. There's a thing called the BSA, which is the Business Software Alliance, and it was started decades ago to try and have joint defense in so in software copyright cases, etc. This is the next generation BSA. This is the like cybersecurity alliance, the SSA, and we're going to get all these endpoints. We're going to create an the cybersecurity alliance is the SSA. <laughs> I'm just like saying, <laughs> shut up. 
Sorry. Sorry. Sounds like an S. It does. <laughs> the CSA, whatever, Howard. Okay. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> I guess you'll be in charge of marketing. Or maybe Tom. No acronyms then. <laughs> no acronyms. That's what I learned in marketing. No acronyms. They're bad. I was at a dinner a, a couple of nights ago, and it was a couple of Silicon Valley types and some professors, etc. And we got into one of these total inside baseball com- baseball conversations, and one of the professors at the end of a long rant said, "I just want you to know I understood twenty percent of that." Like, I have no idea what you people are talking about. And it was such a good reminder. Like, half of our podcast, if you don't have it, if you're just listening, I don't know why you just listened to it, but half of our podcast, if you don't know tech and you're not into whatever, you're kind of like, what? And I guess that's but, my But mother. going back to car talk, though, when people, and they're talking about, like, carburetor issues in a 1967 Chrysler, how many people, and they're talking about, you know, the butterfly valve, how many people know what they're really talking about? That's a fair point. That's a fair point. Fuel injection systems, fuel pumps, <laughs> like that means nothing. So it's it's more than sufficient that you get to taunt me for not knowing that cyber starts with a C. That's enough. Yes. <laughs> many people listening didn't know that either. I'm sure they did know that. I did. I'm sure they did. Every so often I am reminded that I don't actually know how to spell anything and it's very sad. It's very depressing for me. <laughs> I wonder when you know everybody's typing now when like handwriting will go away. It's apparently going script. Because in it, Japan, like in China, like the ability to write the characters is going away. They can type it phonetically, which brings up the character, which they recognize. But if you hand them paper and pencil, many people who are like college graduates will have trouble recalling many of the characters to write them down because huh. they don't regularly use them. It's usually you see them and recognize. And it's phonetic, so you type... In Japanese, you, you, you type Japanese, phonetic. You type like, an SH, blah, 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 and it pulls up the character that... The various typing. characters that could fit in that. And then you select the one, and then you start typing the end, it automatically goes down to what the second one's options would be, huh, that's for cool. example. Yeah. So, for example, I can't write kanji, but I can type in kanji. Because I'll do it phonetically, and then I'll recognize the I kanji, and I say, oh, it's that one. But I couldn't write that. Yeah. Well, it's, this is how I spell, by the way, because, you know, if you if you just, if, if there was no spell checker and you just, I just sent an email, you'd be like, this is the dumbest man alive. But courtesy of technology, first, it autocorrects a bunch of stuff. I've never seen you type. You just then, dictate to Jenna. Yeah, right. Exactly. Well, let's do a shout out to Jenna. That's true. That's true. Big changing of the guards. It is a sort of amazing thing, right? So... Um, it's a sh- it's a, su- a simultaneous shout out to both Mary and Jenna. So Mary Crawl worked with me for eleven years, which that's a I think you said it wrong. She put up with you. Yeah, <laughs> I worked with Mary for eleven years uh, as my assistant, and 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 worked on tons of things. And she knows everything about me. But in the meantime, she was also building this business uh, of you know plates and towels and shirts um and and it was doing better and better and finally on the beginning of this year she came in and said david i love you or maybe she didn't even say that uh, but i'm going to focus on uh, my business 100 percent and um and that was a shock like shock because you don't realize you don't think to yourself how much when you have the good fortune, and I know it's a good fortune to have someone who is your assistant who works with you, you don't realize how much you rely on that person to, to do all sorts of things. Um, and so... But you replaced her, like, right away? 
<laughs> well, that was lucky. That was just a very lucky set of circumstances because because there was this incredible young woman who had worked with us on the lobby who it became instantly clear. Once I sat down and thought, okay, now I'm screwed. How do I solve this problem? It's like, oh, my God, Jenna is the answer. The lobby is David's conference. It has hundreds of people coming to it, and it's an administrative nightmare, and Jenna is capable of doing it. Yeah, Jenna, right. Jenna is you know, kind of executive producer of the thing. and um, Anyway, so, so then I had to, you know, but... It's one of those things like, oh, oh, well then, what are we going to do about the conference? It's like a domino effect. Like, okay, if Jenna can work for me, great. But then, then what do we do? Are you looking for somebody? Uh, so anyway, well, so um, I, I'm hoping we get we can figure out how to make it all work with a set of people who already work on the conference, whatever. But in the meantime, Jenna did come and agree to to work with uh, work with us and work with me and. That's so for putting up amazing. with you, a shout out to Jenna. Yeah, no, so welcome, Jenna. Uh, I could, I couldn't be happier. I'm, you know, I got very lucky. I'm Mary. I miss you, and in um, my part of my dyslexia is that I can't remember. I'm, I'm, I'm searching desperately to find the name of your of your company because it would be completely inappropriate for me to not have a shout out to your company but in the meantime this is like one this is a complete this is such an example of me not having the capacity to remember anything <laughs> uh, yeah, come on Howard what's it is it called? Mary Crawl Designs no it is not oh. <laughs> it's called something Lee something oh my god it's just terrible Mary where are you to answer that question you know who I'll ask Jenna <laughs> Gonna find out now. What's Mary's company called? Honestly Goods. Oh, there, Jenna comes through. Honestly Goods. So, Mary, congratulations. Good luck with Honestly Everybody Goods. Everybody buy something from Honestly yeah, Goods. Yeah, that's right. And um, yeah, go to Honestly Goods. Check it out. It's awesome stuff. Welcome, Jenna. And uh, thanks for listening. This has been David Hornick from August Capital. And Howard Hartenbaum from August Capital. And uh, happy New Year. <laughs> we'll see you soon.